Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Touched by Kalash. Rickson's corner kick. And Celta couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to Spitzenko. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Welcome to episode 33 of Shim, Spider, and so much more. A lot to get through on today's show. Later, our special guest is ex-Socceroo and one-time David Beckham representative in Spain, Andy Bernal. We'll also look back on the weekend's action here and overseas. And we want to thank you, first of all, for your amazing response to our episode last week uh, when the Charlie Miller interview went down an absolute storm. Uh, We're now at almost 2,000 Twitter followers and our download numbers are reflective of that increase as well. So thank you very much. Uh, Joining me as ever to review the week are our two boys from the golden generation. Uh, Both have been larging it up of late. Spider and Maury. Spider, you went and saw the big V-bomber down at his cafe in Zagreb. How good's Big Dukes, mate? He's just so cool, calm, collected. He had his big glasses on. He looked like the fly. All (laughs) I needed was some some Mortine. Uh, It was brilliant. (laughs) Mate, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, we get to his cafe, we have our first coffee, and then he says, how about we have a rakia? So we, have, we get a rakia going. I said, Duke, you do know it's 12 o'clock. He goes, I will have one more for the road. About three rakias down, four coffees later. Mate, welcome to Zagreb. Brilliant. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. And Maury, you've been larging it up as well. You are in Dubai recently. Uh, sitting there, uh, sipping coffee, I'm not sure about the rock, yeah? Along with ex-Manchester United star Odion Agarlo. Yeah, I don't know whether I can keep up with, with Spides' effort. But, um, no, nah, look, I mean, I was in Dubai uh, recently before all the lockdowns. Uh, Agarlo, I know his agent will. And a lot of the, what I'm trying to do, Simon, is getting in front of these kind of people to, to generate business interests. So, yeah, no, nah, it was good. Absolutely. All right. Looking forward to hearing your uh, views on the weekend's football. So let's get into it with Hard Talk. Hard Talk. 
Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events, broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business level webcast, then please go to streamgates.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. Well, guys, let's uh, start this week with uh, the big news of a few days back. Uh, Spider, I guess we should ask you. Uh, Tony Popovich has followed you out of the door at Zanti just a week after you left. Have you spoken to Popper? What on earth happened? Yeah, look, uh, absolute shock, to be honest with you. Uh, mate, he rang me up the day after the match and it was just a basic conversation. I said, you're enjoying your day off after a good win on the weekend. And he said, mate, I'm, I'm joining you. And it was it was shock. Uh, and I could hear in his voice the, the disappointment. Uh, obviously, you know, I left uh, two weeks before Popper. Uh, hadn't lost a game. And I don't know why I was let go, uh, but no problem. That's a goalkeeper coach on your bike. But, you know, Popper was, was brought there on a, on a project. He's a leader uh, there to bring a culture to the club. Won three of his last four matches. They were four points off first uh, with a game in hand against a team down the bottom of the table at home. So realistically, one point behind after nine games. Uh, the club was in a fantastic position and to let him go uh, makes me sort of wonder, was there an agenda there by letting me go first and then Popper after the great results that he had? Um, was there an agenda there? Because you know what? He was there for a project that was to get the club promoted to the Super League and the club was in a perfect position and to, to get rid of him like that uh, is a real strange one. I don't know why. I don't have any reasons as to why. I've read some stupid tweets by Lucy Zellig saying the player didn't want to play for him. Mate, what a load of bollocks that is. Um, it's disappointing. It's got to be disappointing. Um, the the rumour is, is that the, the supporters weren't particularly happy with the style of play. I don't know whether that's true. My, my final question on this one, Spider, is obviously he brought in a lot of Aussie players, including... Uh, his two sons as well. Where does all this leave them? They must be a, a little bit nervous about what's going to occur in the future, I guess, those Aussie guys. Oh, look, there, there'll be a lot of shattered players that, that Pop has left. Uh, there was staff as well that were let go. Uh, the, these players have come there on the same project that Popper was brought there. He was brought there on a project and you would have thought that having that opportunity to get through the season, to get the team back up to Super League, that these players would get the opportunity as now. Look, I don't know where their heads would be. Uh, as for their sons, as for Popper's sons, you know, this is becoming a really ridiculous thing. Gubby is the youngest of the two sons who wasn't under contract. So it had nothing to do with his sons. Christian's the older one who was a squad player like everyone else in the side. So, I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with it. Style of play, Simon, let me tell you, the Greek second division, out of the 90 minutes of football that you play, you really play about 30 minutes because a lot of the time is actually spent slowing the game down, wasting time because teams find it very hard to actually play out 90 minutes of football at a high intensity. 
So it's a very tricky league and a very difficult league. And the club itself was in a fantastic position. That's the hardest thing that I, I shake my head because it's disbelief because they were in such a fantastic position to get promoted. Interesting. I'm sure we will see Tony Popovich uh, and indeed Kevin Muscat re-emerge at, uh, at some point, maybe even here in Australia. Who knows? Uh, Maury, let's uh, move back home and uh, focus on the A-League. Uh, what a brilliant weekend of entertainment, to be fair, that the A-League has provided. Highlights of which is, was the crazy game in Melbourne on Saturday. Seven goals, one red card and a 95th minute winner for Western United. Yeah, no, it was um, definitely a, a, a very entertaining um, round of, of A-League games, um, which is great to see, um, you know, for, for the neutral. Obviously, uh, you know, a lot of goals were, were scored and that, that started with Perth, who had a very good win um, over Brisbane. And, and that's, what, 18 goals now they've scored in. Yeah, uh, which is a new A-League record, yeah. Six games, which is incredible. And... Uh, Castro, Diego Castro and, and Fornaroli coming up uh, trumps again, Simon. I mean, Diego Castro, what a quality, quality player. Um, and even when you don't have the legs, which we've seen previously with, with Del Piero and the impact that he made, but you have that that, that now, Diamante is the same. I mean, Diego Castro is is absolutely a genius. And it was a big, um, it's a big result for Perth and a big performance from Diego Castro, their main man. Uh, Spider, just on the uh, Melbourne victory, Western United game, uh, victory, of course, will be utterly shattered to have lost that uh, derby match, compounded by the fact that Wellington Phoenix defeated the Newcastle Jets on Sunday, which leaves the victory, the biggest club in the country, for my money, bottom of the A-League again. Where does that leave Grant Brebner with three games to come against Melbourne City, Adelaide United and Sydney FC, which are the three biggest of the season for victory in any campaign. First and foremost, it was an unbelievable football match to watch. As a neutral, uh, it was unbelievable. What I will say about Melbourne victories, you know, Brebner got a lot of slack the last couple of weeks and they come out and they fought for him and they won the previous match. And you know what? They put in an unbelievable performance uh, in, the, in this match as well. Uh, I thought Western United were the better side. When Western United got the player sent off, Uskok really brought victory back into the game. And victory then really started to turn the screws on to Western United. And Western United showed courage and the fight. And Roods made some top substitutes, some real brave substitutes to win the match. And, and, and Spides, what I love to see, and I'm sure a lot of people would have loved to have seen, <clears throat> and I know it's... Um, it's not the end of the season, but the cel celebrations from Roots when that, that, that final goal goes in, the way that Western United celebrated as a team, I mean, that was great to see, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? That, that's emotion. That's raw emotion getting caught up with the football match. And that's what we want. That's why we're all sick of VAR. You just want to see that. You want to see the raw emotion of celebration. Uh, look, for, for victory... Absolute despair because they fought unbelievably hard to get back into the match. But as I said, Rudes made a real brave decision with his substitutes, brought on an 18-year-old Nick Milanovic when the game with 10 men, he was the kid who'd put his head in where a lot of players wouldn't have put his head in and the ball ricocheted back and they scored from it. So so well done, Western United. Well done, Big Trick, for a fantastic match. And, and that's perfect for the A-League. 
You skillfully avoided answering the question about Brentford, uh, <laughs> but anyway, they are bottom of, uh, of the A-League at the moment. Um, a couple of other teams who are not in the best of form at the moment, more including your old side, Brisbane Raw. They were top of the table in early February and have now taken just one point from nine after that defeat against Perth, and they scored only the one goal. All of a sudden, it's all dried up for them. Yeah, they haven't they haven't looked as good and, and and probably fair to say, Simon, they've probably come up against teams with a little bit more structure and, and, and organization. Um so yeah, they, they work quickly out of the traps. Um but as I kind of suggested, I think at the, the start of the campaign, I, I think that you know they'll they'll be mid table. Um but they've got to bounce back and they've certainly got players uh, and still play a decent style of football where they will create chances with Scotty McDonald and you know, Dylan Wenzel Halls, they've got goal scorers in the in the team. Um, and I think they can bounce back. But um, and that's good. It's been interesting. The A-League, I've really enjoyed the the games and and the goals, and I think it's given us plenty to talk about. Sure has. Um Sydney FC Spider uh, losing again to MacArthur by the only goal, another one for Matt Derbyshire. They're struggling a bit at the moment, the reigning champions, no win in three. It's incredible when goals dry up. Uh, then they're not playing bad, Sydney FC. Uh, they just can't score. It's incredible. Uh, but MacArthur, you've got to give them credit. Uh, they've got a very good side. They're gritty. Uh, they've got a goal scorer in Derbyshire. And yep. what what about what about the play to get to the goal, Maury? What uh, help us out, commentator Susueta? Susueta, Markel Susueta. Mate, wasn't that tremendous skill? Uh, and yeah, that's what you expect from your foreigners, don't you, Maury? Yeah, Spides, I'm gonna, I, I am going to agree. I thought it was tremendous skill. In particular, when he was on the sideline, his feet and the way he shifted the ball and changed direction. He runs into another defender that I think probably, I forget who the defender was, gets, gets caught square um, and, and really sort of gives himself up far too easily, but take nothing away. It was a fantastic run, still with the awareness to be able to pick somebody out. Um, it was a great action. It really was. Uh, one more on the A-League before we move on. Uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers lost their seven-game unbeaten record on Saturday, losing to Adelaide. Craig Goodwin making a difference already, scoring less than two minutes into his return. Spider, we, we've got a question for you that's coming via uh, Facebook, actually, uh, from Kim Williams. Now, I don't know whether this is fair, but this is a, uh, the question. Uh, why does the Wanderers goalkeeper Daniel Margush continue to punch the ball instead of trying to catch it? He keeps putting us under mm. pressure, says Kim. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? Is it fair? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why a lot of these uh, younger keepers, they do parry a lot. Uh, maybe it's just not confidence to, to catch the ball, catch the ball dead. You'll see as you get older, you become more confident to catch those balls. Don't forget, it's Daniel's first year as a number one goalkeeper. So, and he's not playing for a small club. He's playing for a big club. So I, I think the kid's doing, I think he's doing well. I think a lot of the young goalkeepers in the A-League are doing well at the moment. Uh, Sydney FC doing particularly well in the W League. They're closing in on the Premiership, another big win. Uh, for their midweek against Perth Glory. Unfortunately, they had to do it without Teresa Polias, who couldn't get uh, time off work as a school teacher. That really sort of underlines, I guess, where we're at at a game, although COVID um, has got a big part to play in that. You wouldn't normally play a midweek game away in Perth, would you? Uh, but something that needs uh, looking at, perhaps, ahead of the home Women's World Cup in 2023, still 
off the field, guys. Um, the APL board on December the 31st, it just occurred to me this week, it was announced this board was going to be uh, um, inaugurated and made up of five club directors, three independent directors, one FA appointee. Does anybody know who they are or, or where it's at? Why, why is this all taking so long? Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. Maury, come on, Maury. This is your, nah, this is your department, son. <laughs> come on, Maury, mate. I'm over in Scotland as well, mate. I'm not in Australia. But you're right, Simon. I haven't heard anything um, uh, too much about this. Mm. Uh, obviously, with the, with the restructuring, all that sort of stuff, giving us an idea in terms of, I guess, what they want to put in place. But, you know, we haven't, we haven't heard anything. Um, hopefully, whoever the people that are, that are going to be there, that are going to be involved in... Uh, in this kind of thing are the right people to, to continually push and challenge and, uh, and and take the game forward and give it a better future. The wheels turn very slowly, don't they, in football in Australia? There's an awful lot of talk, but it'd be great to see some action. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see the Socceroos in action at the Copper America Spider um, during the off-season. They had to pull out. Uh, I guess they didn't have much choice, yeah. really, given the Olympics and the World Cup qualifiers that they, they still have to play. But, geez, it's a pity, isn't mm. it? That would have been such a great tournament to be in. Yeah, geez, Arnie will be pulling the little hair that he's got left uh, out because that was such a fantastic tournament to get invited to. Uh, would have been fantastic matches for Australia. Look, when was the last time we played, guys? Was it was it a year ago? Yeah, it was. Ago, uh, it was against Jordan, um, November twenty nineteen, I think. You know, like even for for Australia to not not have the opportunity to go and play in such a prestige tournament. Um, it, it just shows that the game itself is in big trouble. And these qualifiers that we got coming up, gee, I hope they can do a hub or something because it be, really would be a pity not to be able to play games as a national team player and for even for Arnie as a national team coach. Well, that uh, first game is looming on the horizon uh, against Nepal. The away uh, leg of that uh, series, if you like, which is at the end of March. Uh, final one, before we move on to overseas matters, uh, the MPL season started in New South Wales and Victoria this weekend. Uh, a big win for your former club, Spider, Sydney United, beating Olympic 1-0 at Belmore. That's always a big rivalry, that one. It is. It was. A, you know what? I had I had a good look at all the games there. A big side, Sydney United, two grand finalists, Rockdale, they both got up. Uh, mate, some some very entertaining games. Sydney FC, the youngsters, caused a boil over against Marconi, uh, a stalemate between the other two big boys, Blacktown City and Arpia. So, you know what's beautiful about it? You have a look at all the state league games, have a look at all the crowds. It's brilliant to see so much interest in the game. People just want to watch football. Given the right product, they will turn up. That's why we need a national second division uh, down in Victoria, incidentally. The Dandy Derby between Dandenong Thunder and Dandenong City ended in a one-all draw. And I think there were a fair few people uh, watching that particular local encounter as well. Thanks for the moment, guys. Uh, let's head overseas. London Calling. London Calling. Go further with the Australian College of Physical Education with an overall graduate employment rate of 90.1% and an extensive industry partnerships network, ACPE ensures you have unrivaled access, learning and support throughout your degree. Head to acpe.edu.au to enrol today and start studying in March. ACPE, 
where ambition meets industry excellence. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, let's uh, start in your neck of the woods, Maury. Uh, Neil Lennon resigning as manager of Celtic. Uh, Rumours that Wayne Rooney might be in the frame to take over. What can you tell us about what is going on at Celtic Park? I guess in some ways, not really a surprise that he's gone. No, it's not. I mean, look, it's been a, it's been a terrible season for Celtic. And, and obviously for Neil Lennon, unfortunately, he's the face of, of the football club. Um, so, the, yeah, the decision was certainly no surprise, Simon, that, that Neil Lennon uh, was oh, he stood down himself to, to to give Celtic the opportunity to try and find what they believe to be the right manager to take the club forward? Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, Rafa Benitez, um, mate, the names Eddie Eddie Howe, uh, they're they're all coming out. An interesting one, just live while we've been doing the podcast, is ex-player Paul Lambert um, mutually agreed to termination uh, with with Ipswich. So again, whether that's something that we hear over the the coming days, Simon. But um, look, Celtic won't make any. Um, rushed decisions. Uh, they've got John Kennedy in, in, in control and I'm sure he'll see out the season. Um, but Celtic will be working hard behind the scenes to try and get the right man to hopefully have a better season uh, next season. And here's, here's a quiz question before we move away from Scotland, uh, Maury. Behind Celtic over the last decade, who's the most successful team in Scotland? Uh, look, I'm going to give you the right answer because obviously... Uh, <laughs> the cup final today uh, against Livingston which makes them the the second most successful side yeah that's unbelievable isn't it the second most successful side in Scotland behind Celtic is St Johnston because they won the Scottish Cup did you see his face did you see his face when he was going to answer that he was like it was like Mate, family feud. I know the answer. Just come to me. He didn't even have to phone a friend. He didn't have to do anything. My spies, what I do know also is that 55 titles is coming home to Rangers this season. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations to St. Johnston. They won the Scottish League Cup um, on Sunday, defeating Livingston. And uh, yeah, just to underline that, because they won the Scottish Cup in 2014 and Rangers, of course, have been in a massive trough over the last few years. They are the second most successful side in Scotland over the last decade, which I think is extraordinary. Um, Also extraordinary, perhaps in many ways, spider south of the border, Pep Guardiola's comments after Manchester City beat Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Champions League this week. He, He was asked why his team is so good. Uh, and he he answered pretty honestly. He said, "We've got the money to buy the best players." Although, to be fair, he has qualified that since in the, in the Manchester Evening News by saying, "Well, all the other big clubs have done the same as well." Uh, but it's yeah. nice to hear that honesty, isn't it? Well, that's what the big clubs can do. They mm. can go out and get the best players. It's simple as that. I mean, uh, I, I would love to see Pep Guardiola go to the A League or go somewhere to the New South Wales State League and see what it's like to coach at that level when you can't get the kind of players you want. Be a bit different, wouldn't it? Um, Incidentally, this morning, Chelsea drawing with Manchester United 0-0. Here's Chelsea's bench. Alonso, £24 million. 
Kepa the Keeper, 20, uh, 72 million pounds. Timo Werner, 50 million. Kai Havertz, yep. 75 million. Jorginho, 57 million. Christian Pulisic, 58 million. Emerson, 18 million. And Zuma, 12 million. That's 366 million pounds sat on Chelsea's bench. And yet it's only an interesting stat when it's Manchester City. I was going to say so I was going to say that because I worked the the Manchester City West Ham game, and we were having the same same discussion about Manchester City's bench. We're like, is this potentially a bench that could possibly win the Premier the Premiership? It was like the the bench was incredible. You know the the depth that that these clubs have. Uh, you touched on that's incredible what you just read there for Chelsea. Tuchel has made an impact though. I mean, he's undefeated, isn't he, domestically? Yep. Um, Nil-nil with, with Manchester United. There was a, a, a bit of a talking point over a handball incident, um, which is getting a little bit of airtime over here at the moment uh, and potentially about how it was looked at and what the referee might or might not have said. So a little bit more to come out from the, the actual game. Uh, that was a boring game. Yeah. <laughs> on the continent of Europe, Manchester City beating West Ham, of course, uh, 20 consecutive uh, wins now for City, even though they weren't at their best. And they are now uh, 12, or is it 11 points clear of Manchester United. Uh, elsewhere in continental Europe, um, Bayern Munich looking very ominous. Uh, big 4-1 uh, win over Lazio away in the Champions League. Uh, big wins as well for Chelsea. What a goal from Olivier Giroud. And for Real Madrid in the Europa League, Spider, the last 16 draw has been made. Uh, Manchester United going to face your old team, AC Milan and uh, Maury Slavia Prague will face Rangers. A couple of interesting ties for you guys to discuss. Some really good matches. Uh, some really good matches come up in the last 16. Look, Milan's, I said there, Milan's looked dead the last couple of weeks. And funny enough, they come out tonight and they win away to Roma. So, look, I, I just can't work it out. Look, if, if, I would, if I was being honest, you would think on form alone, Man United would be too strong. But you just don't know. Like in, in three days, they play another match. There could be injuries. You, you don't know how these players are recovering. It's, it's a real difficult one. Spides, I think that's probably the... I think it's probably the game of the, the, the round of 16. Uh, Man United, yeah. AC Milan. I mean, Rangers, uh, Slavia Prague. Um, look, I mean, good test for them. Um, you know, Leicester obviously didn't manage to, to, to get by Slavia Prague. So they, they'll certainly be a very, very good team. But when you look at potentially the draw um, and, and who Rangers could have got, I know they would have loved a, an English side because the, the press here would have absolutely ate that up. Um, the Battle of Rangers, Britain it would have become again. <laughs> would have been, and to be fair, it, it, it would have been fantastic um, because, you know, I would be interested to see how Rangers would fare uh, against the, the, the so-called better British teams, English teams at the moment. But I, I think this is a nice draw for Rangers and, and a draw that potentially they can progress again. Okay. Tricky one. Yeah, it is tricky. Um, before we leave this segment, a little look at Asia. Start of the J-League and K-League this uh, weekend just gone. A losing start for Ange Postacoglu as his Yokohama F Marinos team went down 2-0 to Kawasaki Frontale. Uh, Aussie interest in the K-League, of course. Terry Antonis with Suwon. Uh, Jason Davidson with Ulsan. Alex Grant uh, Pohang. He made his debut off the bench. Uh, against Incheon in a 2-1 win. Harrison Delbridge also made his debut uh, as a substitute for Incheon on that one. And uh, the interesting news this week, Maureen, you, you alerted me to this, out of China, where the reigning champions, Jiangsu Suning, 
have announced they will cease operations just, just three months after winning the championship. What on earth is going on there? And, and immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like not tomorrow, today. We're gone. And this is, these are also the owners of, of Inter Milan. Uh, if I'm right. Yeah, I mean, so this is this is incredible news, um, and I guess when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, uh, Simon, it's it's a real worry that at that level, and uh, with the amount of money that, that that's behind these kind of people, that they feel um, that they're having to act and do something um, like this. Uh, you know, it kind of shows you how tough, I guess, you know, financially it, it kind of is a, a, across the board in, in terms of you know, the impact of, of COVID and, you know, financially, it, it must have played absolute havoc with a lot of clubs. And for them to feel that they needed to make it as uh, that kind of decision, I, I couldn't believe it when I was reading it. I was absolutely shocked. Yeah. Mm. And throws everything up in the air ahead of the new season in the Chinese Super League. Do they replace them? Do they play with a team shorts? Is there a replacement team to come out of Jiangsu? Who knows? Watch this space. Uh, all right, thanks for the moment, guys. Uh, time for us to head into our final segment. And we have got another fascinating guest awaiting us in Footballers Lives. Footballers Lives. Well, our guest today was born in Canberra in 1966 and after spending his early days with Canberra City and attending the AIS in the early 80s, he headed overseas to Spain, the nation of his heritage, to play for Jerez. Later spells followed with Sporting Gijón and Albacete on loan before he rocked up in England with first Nottingham Forest and then Ipswich Town. He returned back to Australia in 1989 to play for Sydney Olympic, where he spent five years before giving the UK another crack in 1994. This time his stay was much more permanent, and he racked up nearly 250 appearances for Reading. He also played 21 times for Australia and later found fame as David Beckham's personal representative during his time with Real Madrid. He's about to release his autobiography entitled Riding Shotgun, being launched in April, it's a big podcast. Welcome to Andy Bernal. How are you, Birch? Everybody knows you as Birch. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Um, I'm good. I'm. I'm. I'm pleased. I'm on the show. Um, it's always an honour um, to be in good company. So, um, just thank you, thank you. It's um, uh, looking forward to, to having a nice chat this yep. morning. Uh, it... Haven't spoken to the boys for a while, so um, we're part of a. a, a illustrious club is a bit egotistical, isn't it? But we're part of a club that uh, it's a Socceroo club and, and we kind of, we're there for each other all the time, you know, um, in, at the end of the day. Let's start back at the beginning, uh, which is as good a place as any. Uh, a young kid of Spanish background, growing up in Canberra. Um, did your family give you that love of football and, and who was your team that you supported growing up? Well, you know, I grew up in Canberra, um, which was, if you played Football, it was Wogball. Um, it was a pretty, um, you know, Canberra back then uh, wasn't a, a cool place if you were um, a migrant, uh, if you're a Wog. Um, so I played, I kind of wanted to play rugby league. I played more rugby league than, than football. Obviously at home, everything was, uh, was football, you know, coming from a Spanish background. Uh, but I, I, I was probably a better rugby league player than, uh, than a footballer. Uh, the two names going around at the time uh, on the rugby scene in Canberra were a guy called David Campese and myself. 
um, and, and a chance meeting with, with Johnny Warren. Uh, I think it was under 15s game or something like that. Uh, he said the Socceroos need a, a guy like you, and that's that's kind of how it went or led more into being more serious about football. Um, but of course, uh, you know, Spanish background, uh, the family loves football, loves bullfighting, loves Rafa. So uh, yeah, the wife, the wife loves Rafa. <laughs> as they, as they all do. Bertie. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was kind of, um, yeah, it, it it, it was football. Look, I, I love football. You know, it'd be stupid to say I don't. But, um, you know, I grew up uh, and there's an argument and a different conversation for all the academy stuff going on right now. But I grew up with no academy. I grew up playing cricket, athletics in the summer, uh, rugby league, rugby union, AFL and football, soccer. And from that, you kind of uh, make of it what you want. You put the picture together and you go out and... and you choose something and you try and be successful. So hmm. that was it. And, and there was always a burning desire to uh, to either go to Spain or to England uh, once uh, a decent level had been achieved. And, um, you know, with regard to, to, to my team, I've never really been a fan, but, you know, the Leeds, the Leeds United side of the, um, you know, Billy Bremner era uh, was an amazing side. I ended up playing with the son of, of Eddie Gray, uh, Stuart mm. Gray at Reading, and he told me some stories uh, that were just amazing. And they were, I suppose they were the first British team that played in all white, like Real Madrid. You know, mm. So um, that captivated me. And I'd, I'd go up the road and didn't have much money, so I'd nick a shoot magazine and, and try and make sure it was the one with the Leeds kind of uh, poster in the middle. So, <laughs> so that was it. If I had a team, it was Leeds United. Mm. It shows it shows how much of a football head I am that I've only just realised that when you said Rafa, you meant Rafa Nadal and not Rafa Benitez. I was worried <laughs> that, that your missus fancy into Rafa Benitez. No, she's not into Rafa Benitez. <laughs> um, just in, ter in terms of uh, of heroes uh, growing up, and uh, not necessarily overseas ones, and I read as I was doing my research for, for this uh, chat, that you grew up um, sort of watching a bit of Croatia Deacon and being involved in that club. And that there were two Argentines, Gabriel Wilk and Victor Fernandez, who, who sort of became your, not just your idols, but your, your mentors as well. Is that right? Well, it's kind of right. Um, I grew up watching Canberra, uh, Croatia, um, but I also watched the local Italian club, uh, the local Spanish club. Uh, my uncle played for them. And uh, Victor Fernandez and Gabby were uh, from Argentina. And I suppose for us young kids uh, coming through then, the education was more about little things that they would tell you uh, in the art of, of defending or, or attacking or just you know, real small things that if you then were able to ingest them and turn them into something positive, would end up and lead you to become a better player, um, capable of, of playing on international stages. So, um, and I think it's a little, it's a thing that's missing now in in, uh, in our football. Um, we've, you know, as as the older migrants uh, have retired and got old and, and some departed, um, we're missing 
we're missing that experience, that know-how, that's what they call in Argentina, viveta, the street smart. Um, and, you know, with, with not a lot of ex-Socceroos kind of going back into the game, um, you know, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty stale, you know, the information that the kids are getting, the education that they're getting, you know, and it's, it's, it's something that is as, as simple as something illegal. There's a couple of Sydney FC under 16s defenders. I was showing them not long ago how to step on someone at a corner, this and that, so they can't jump. And both of them go, that's illegal. Both of them go, that's illegal. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, they're me. all little tricks of the trade, aren't they, Birchie? Oh, you know, and to be honest with you, the, the two years that I spent in Spain, the first two years that I spent in Spain, and that covered playing 72 games on loan to Albacete and Jerez. It was Sporting Gijon that I signed for, Simon. Um, just to correct you, I'm sorry. Um and I learned so much just from old old pros. It was amazing just watching, just watching them strike a ball. Um, I was lucky I came through a, an AOS uh, with Jimmy Shoulder and Ron Smith. Um, fantastic men, fantastic coaches. Uh, so I had a good grounding. Uh, but, you know, that yeah. the learning of great players when you're there live was fantastic. Andy, you you were the first Aussie to play in Spain, which probably not an awful lot of people know. Uh, you played at all the great grounds. I'm, I'm led to believe Camp Nou, the the Bernabeu. Uh, which ones was it? Were, were your favourites? Uh, I look growing up. Growing up, I was always a, a Real Madrid fan. That's kind of you know, if you're from Spain, you choose one: Barcelona or Real Madrid, and. For me, it was Real Madrid and to play at the Bernabeu, uh, how many years ago was it? But a long time ago, 30-something years ago, and I remember marking a guy called Fleming Poulsen, a Danish oh, yeah. national that yeah. went on to play for, I think, Borussia Dortmund. He was, he was a good player, and Real Madrid had signed him. Um, he was 17, 18. They signed him like all the teams do now. They just sign a million players and, and, and kind of loan them out and farm them out. Um, but... For me, more, more than playing at the Bernabeu, it was having my mum and dad there, um, you know, for, uh, for a dad, for a, you know, for a guy that was a Bilbao supporter. For, he was a Bilbao supporter. Um, for a guy that had to leave his country post-World War II, you know, through famine, couldn't eat, you know, seeking a better life um, for his son, an Australian, to be the first guy to go and play in that country, go back and play in that country at the Bernabeu is for him almost incomprehensible, but, you know, a beautiful moment. And, and more so in Bilbao, where, uh, you know, after military service, he would work, but he didn't have money to, to go um, watch his favourite team play. Um, and upon returning, we played against Bilbao and, and my uncle lived up there and, and kind of, Suddenly, they all went VIP from not being able to afford anything to having things in the house. But, yeah. but it was a very, um, it was a very special moment, and and I'm sure the boys have, have lived their particular ones. Um, but yeah, that that's that's kind of a, the migrant story of my book. You know, yeah. the, um, you know, what are the chances? A guy migrates. From Spain, he suddenly becomes the first Aussie to play in Spain, and it's not like it's a. Virtually, just a quick, just yeah. a quick one, mate. Uh, that game that you played at the Bernabeu, 
How many shadows were you chasing? Oh, mate, I think the score, we lost 2-0, but I can't remember. Um, I just remember watching. Like, I, I, yeah, yeah, like, you were playing but watching. Yeah, it was, I tell you, it was a little bit like, did you guys play? Um, no, I don't think you did. The soccer match against Argentina when Redondo, Redondo, um, it was a pre-World Cup, pre-USA World Cup. Oh, we're, we're, we're younger than you, Bert. You mate. Yeah, we weren't around yet. <laughs> at, the river, at the River Plate, Redondo, it was like watching, I don't know, he was in slow motion. Watching him was like slow motion, but he was going quicker than the rest of us. Um, <laughs> I think he let about 10 of us out after the game. Wadey, the whole lot, everyone came out of his pocket after this. It was <laughs> amazing. And, and Real Madrid are a bit like that at their ground. Um, like Barcelona at their ground, um, iconic places, uh, iconic theatres of football. And um, you know what? You sometimes think, I wish I'd have played for that team or this team or that team. Uh, but, you know, when you look back, um, as you get older, and you kind of think, well, you know, you played at the Bernabeu, you played at the Camden, you played at a full Valencia Stadium. You know, that's the first game after I left the AIS the first game my parents ever saw me play was 70,000 at Mestalla. You know, and that's yeah, one of the best stadiums I've played at as yeah. well, Birchie. Yeah. And, Unbelievable and, stadium. And in an era where you know, we didn't have mobile phones, you didn't have WhatsApp, you know, social, none of that. Like I'd write a letter every now and then. And so I hadn't seen my parents like for a year and a half. It's madness. Like, um, Different worlds, hey? Different worlds. Yeah, really. um, Andy, I just wanted to move on from Spain and, and talk about uh, the, the fact that you left there, I think because of the possibility of you having to do military service and, and moved to England. I don't know whether that's correct. You, you can tell us whether it is or it isn't. And then you joined Nottingham Forest briefly under Brian Clough. That must have been an interesting experience. But you didn't, you didn't play for the first team, or at least the stats don't reflect that. What, what happened there? No, there's a story to that. Um... So I, I left Spain not because of a possibility. I got called up to do Spanish military service and kind of part of the whole thing of going to Spain, which if I did it again, um, I probably should have informed myself a little better, but I had a Spanish passport um, thinking that with that, I would be able to play as a Spaniard in Spain um, because as a defender, um, very difficult. Back in those days, the FIFA regulations were that you could only have two foreigners um, mm. before the whole UEFA thing. So, you know, all the Spanish teams in the, the Liga 1 and Liga 2 would go for a, a winger, a striker, a 10. Very, very rarely would they sign a defender um, to be a foreign, to take up a foreign import spot. So um, through all that, um, having the Spanish passport, it still didn't help me because... I'd played for Australia at youth level. And back in those days, if you played at youth level or under 23s level, you kind of got stuck with that nation. It then changed. So I got stuck with Australia, even though I had a Spanish passport and I got called up for Spanish military service. So they wanted me to fight for their country, but not let me play as a Spaniard for their country. So it, um, I got um, the notification that I had to be at... Uh, certain barracks in Madrid. Uh, my dad went down with me and he said, look, you know, he's prepared to do military service for a year. 
if um, you let him play as a Spaniard uh, because it's 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 impossible for him to, to stay here. So, and they said um, they they said no. Well, basically, the general said it's it's really in the hands of the Spanish FA, and they were going according to antiquated FIFA regulations, which really put an end to that was a killer blow. That put an end to seventy-two games on the trot, starting eleven. Uh, you know, in Spain, you know, I was headed back to Sporting Gijon, um, but it didn't happen. But the two years that I was loaned out, uh, I was the youngest foreigner to ever play in Spain at the time uh, uh, as a defender, which which was a kind of accolade in itself. And then, um, so I left, I left Spain, uh, but it was, uh, I had to escape. Uh, if you get caught and you don't do military service, uh, you get put in a military prison for two years. So, uh, Dad, dad got me out and uh, landed in, uh, in Nottingham. A friend was doing university there. And he said, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, back those days, you didn't really want to come back to Australia. And there was nothing, you know, there was, there was not much here. Now, you know, the boys have got kind of easy escape back into the A-League. Um, there it was just, man, I can't go back home. I was thinking of playing rugby league for whole Kingston Rovers and, and Wigan. <laughs> everything. everything was thinking of everything and I sat there one day and I, I said, I'm in Nottingham, Nottingham Forester here. I'm going to go in and ask Cloughy for a trial. Like, like, I don't think anyone has ever gone in off the street and asked him for a trial. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, so I turned up, um, but I'd done, I'd done seven, eight weeks because I knew if I got through the door, I knew if I got past, um, I think it's Archie Gemmel. Maury had known, but Gemmel was, was his number two, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Archie was his number two. And I got past him and um, he said, I'll, I'll get you in his, in his office. And he turned around and he said, fucking good luck. <laughs> good luck there. <laughs> there. Like in his Scottish accent, I was like, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't good. But he got me in the door and uh, Cluffy was sensational. And, and I'd love to tell you that first meeting, and when I left the office, I'd love to tell you that I can't because it'll ruin the that that part of the chapter. But it's an amazing. Um, you know, the one thing is, I said, would you like references? Um, my two coaches in Spain played for Real Madrid. Um, they have six European Cups, and uh, as players, and, and I can give you their number. And he goes, well, that'd be no use. I can't speak Spanish. And then, <laughs> and then. And then he says, if you hadn't done, if you hadn't played where you're telling me you played, you wouldn't be in here, son. So he obviously saw something. And then within, within 15, 20 minutes of that and the story that goes with it in the book, uh, he had me sat in between Des Walker and Neil Webb. And he said, those two will look after you. Um, and if you get a chance, kick them. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, the forest thing was, um, you know what? I went in, did pre-season uh, and stuck by Des Walker everywhere he went, running, whatever we did, um, and impressed enough to, to sign it and played three months of, of resi games there. But I was never going to get um, that Desi and Neil Webb in the two positions that I like to play. Um, but to be fair to Cluffy, he, um, he liked me a lot. And uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, but he, he said, son, you're too good for my reserves. I'm going to make a phone call and you'll debut very shortly in England. And that was Ipswich. 
Yeah, and he made a phone call to John Duncan, who was the manager of, mm. uh, of Ipswich Town. And, yeah, I went down there and, and basically, um, you know, I, I said to Cloppy, I won't let you down, Gaffer. And uh, he said, don't let yourself down. So that was, that was kind of it. So for me, you know, you, you, you kind of, that, that's a big thing, I think. You know, it's some people get more caps. Some people, you know, Davo and I, I think, are the only Aussies to uh, have been signed by arguably the greatest manager in, in British history. Mm-hmm. And, That's what I was going to say to you. What was he like as a man? Oh, uh, amazing. You've all seen some of the stuff on YouTube and stuff. It's, it's that and more. It, he's yeah. just... Um, so he would not part, you know, all these coaching courses they have now, pro license, A license, D license, Z license. Uh, he would not pass one. Like, it's impossible. He would not pass one. But, and rarely, um, there's, there's a bit in the book where he grabs me at halftime as I'm going out for the second half against Derby County. It's a reserves match. Um, it's, uh, it's intense stuff up there, Derby and Forest. It's the local. And um, he grabs me before we run out onto the pitch. And he says, I need more from the team. And I need more, and I need more from you. And his next question is, what kind of ice cream do you like? What, what, what flavour ice cream do you like? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go anymore because it, it, it's quite yeah. funny and motivating, but it, it's... It, it was kind of the first time that I realised that uh, top-level management, you know, it's more the psychological kind of end of mm. it and, and empowering people and, and, you know, creating lieutenants, you know, that'll you know, do whatever for you. Um, it's a whole... It's, 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 it's a far greater factor than just the football. He knew his football, um, but, you know, again, there was no... You know, you go down, oh, I went to a Joey's... Uh, a camp, you know, a year or two ago down at the AOS, uh, I was confused. Like, th- there were more cones, flags, bibs, balls. Um, I couldn't see the pitch. Like, yeah, it was like Hong Kong Airport at, at 3 a.m. Yep, And these kids, they're great. They've got all these flags and they check off, blah, 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 blah. Comes to the game, one of them cops an elbow in the teeth, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, true. <laughs> Yeah, um, so but so Cluffy was the opposite to all of that. Warm up, walk his dog around the pitch. Um, he would uh, pattern a play, nothing. He'd just say, "Tomorrow we're playing a four four two. If you don't know how to play a four four two, stay home." <laughs> yeah. and, 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 yes. and put the team, the team up, and you go. That's the team, four four two. If you don't know how to play it, stay home. Different era. Um, <clears throat> Andy, you, you had to come home really to establish yourself properly in, in, in first team again. Uh, and that was with Sydney Olympic, uh, uh, five year stint. Uh, and you won the grand final in your first season against uh, Marconi, which uh, must, have, must have been a great memory. Yeah. Um, and that was also a, a not so good a memory leaving England as well. Um, I got deported. I think Bosnich. Ah. I think Bosnich and I are the only two Socceroos to ever be deported from England. Uh, you can do maybe some. <laughs> and Bert, you're a first for everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> records, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's like, 
Only got a few caps, but a lot of firsts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I got deported because, like, when I was in Spain, I had the Spanish passport, but they weren't in the Euro. And I didn't have enough A caps at the time. So I'd worked out when I was 16, 17 in Canberra that um, I thought ahead and I thought, if I go to England, like, how am I going to get an English passport? Or you know, years ago, you'd think of going and stealing a dead kid's name to get a passport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I worked out that you could get a, a part-time uh, working visa stamped on entry into the UK, but it was meant for backpackers, for Commonwealth citizens going over. So I walked in. I went in from Spain uh, before I went to Forest and the guy says, oh, what are you doing here? I said, I just you know, work in restaurants and pubs and that and do a bit of cooking and stuff. Yeah, just crap, crap. Anyway, he stamps it. Thank you. Show to the FA. Bang. See you later. Um, play debut for Ipswich Town. Uh, get offered a three-year deal by John Duncan and come back to Australia upon return. Guy at Customs goes, Mate, Port Monroe, part-time work. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he, he said, you got, you got 24 hours to get your stuff. You 24 hours to get your stuff and F off out of this country and you'll never come back. Wow. And wow. So that's, that's why um, it kind of uh, a couple of my teammates at Ipswich Town, yeah, thank God that happened. We got testimonials. Uh, yeah, so we were in the same position so a couple of them ended up you know having 10 12 year careers where maybe i would have um established myself there but yes so i came back uh, to australia um you know and, and kind of when you've started to play at decent levels in europe um you know it, it's and i don't say it in a disrespectful way but you kind of come back here and, and it's it's demotivating and and you know but it was, uh, it is what it is. It, what, it was what it was. Um, I was lucky to have a guy called Eddie Thompson uh, batting for me and, and he wanted me and then he said all the right things. Played Faberdeen, he knew Fergie, the whole lot. Um, uh, and he encouraged me to kick people. He said, the first five minutes, it's freely, you won't get booked. I want you to do damage. <laughs> you would have loved it back then, eh, Birchie? Because there was no sense. Oh. There, no, mate, you, had to, you actually had to murder someone to get a yellow oh. card. Oh, the first 15, 20 minutes? Murder. Murder. <laughs> um, and there was no, like, no bar, no videos, no this, no that. No, you can't do it. You can't touch anybody. If you look at someone, you get booked. Um, it's, it's gone completely the other way. But I did enjoy my time at Olympic, and I learned a lot from Tomo. Um, Real simple stuff. You know, it's just it's it's so basic that again you can overcomplicate things. You know, first hit the ball out of your feet. If Baduka's on, hit him in the chest. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. You can see Baduka hit his chest, and Kuehl and Cahill will run off him. It's pretty simple. Um, Andy, yeah. you you got your chance to go back to England again in 1994 with with Reading. Um, playing at Wembley in your first season in a playoff final that you, that you lost after extra time to Bolton Wanderers. But that was to be the start of, of a long uh, and fruitful partnership between you and that club. And you must have finally got your working visa, I gather. Um, well, ironically... <laughs> Don't tell me you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, I, ironically, the passport that made, that made me have to leave Spain got me back in to England because they were in the Euro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What an, 
well, quite I, an I adventure. I can't make this up. Like, if I tell people in a bar or something, I go, this, this guy's nuts. He's made, he, he's had so much ice. He's off the he's off the planet. <laughs> yeah, like the, seriously, you, you cannot make these kind of things up. But but they happen that way. And it was at a time where I um, I didn't uh, I kind of. I was in a position where I was working as a ranger at Wallara Council. Anybody that's lived in Sydney uh, goes kind of from Rushcutters Bay to Dover Heights, Watsons Bay, and um, uh, the rangers are kind of council policemen from everything. So um, we'd help the lifeguards, the whole lot. So it was a, it was a real good job. I was comfortable at uh, Sydney Olympic, and I was 28, you know, and you're, you're playing kind of semi-pro part-time football, um, well, it's a decent standard, and I'd kind of resigned myself to, you know what, this is going to be me. And um, so it, it wasn't, you know, kind of that I was seeking it, um, but I was out one night after a match uh, at the Iguana Bar in Kings Cross, 1 a.m. That's, sh- that's a shock. Yeah, that's a shock. Mick Hickman rolls up. <laughs> yeah, Hickey rolls up and he goes, We're looking for a fullback. Um, I said, I've never played fullback in my life. Um, he said, "You're going to play fullback now." I said, "All right, I'll go and um, I'll go watch some YouTube videos." And I went and watch some YouTube videos of, of, of old Brazilian fullbacks. And I was crossing the ball down at the Ranger car park and everything. So, yes, yeah, so that's how I kind of went back. I said, "I'm not trialing. If Mark McGee offers me a contract, I'll go." And, and that's kind of how it happened. And it, it again, it's a, it's a, it, it it's so mad that part of my role at Willara Council um. Uh, the first three months I had to fill in as the dog catcher at times because they'd gone on, on long service. So, so I'm dog catching as well. I'm dog catching, yep. And nine months later, I'm playing at Wembley at age 28. So that's, yeah, that's kind of like, it's not an easy achievement, you know, to, to kind of at 28 then go adapt into the top level kind of pretty high level British football, is it? It's, Lucky you're chasing those dogs, buddy. Keep you going up and down. <laughs> and I, I did. I did a deal. I did a deal with the owner of Doyle's, and uh, which led to the best table in the house and a night with Sir Bobby Charlton. Oh, there you go. Yeah, took him to dinner, and um, he was fantastic. Just him and me, and uh, he was a gentleman. I said, "No, not a bad spot. I got you, hey, Bobby." And he said, uh, "If my wife was here, it would be perfect, gentlemen." <laughs> I'm pleased you brought up Manchester United, actually, um, Andy, because I know you you played an FA Cup tie against uh, United during your time at Reading. They had a team that included the likes of Keane and Giggs and Cantona, uh, Peter Schmeichel in goal. Who, who did you mark that day? I know you lost the game. I marked a person that you haven't brought up. Go on. Andy Cole. Wow. Uh, so, in, in the lead-up to to the match, um, it was kind of, um, I was born in 1966, so it was Cantona, uh, so it was Zola. They had these Nike ads going at the time in England with, with the 66 stuff and that, and um, there was a big thing in the, the I think it was the uh, the Sun, uh, or the News of the World, one of them, with pictures of Cantona and, Cantona and myself, because his, his uh, I think his mother was Spanish, something like that. So it was, the build-up was that I was going to mark Cantona. Um, but in the end, I marked Cole. Uh, and again, uh, you know what? Games in England are always tough. Games in Scotland are always tough. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's very 
a little in it and um, the pitch was snow, covered in snow, ice. It was at the old Elm Park. So they had to bring in five Rolls Royce engines and a marquee um, and pump hot air so that the, you know, the, the ground would be soft. By minute 70, it was like, uh, like the Trump ice, 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 ice rink in, in, in the park, yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, you know what, it, to be in the tunnel and look across and, and see Eric and, and Schmeichel and, and uh, all of Keane, they're all great players. And, and um, you know what, when you're a kid in Australia, you know, we've all kind of, you know, watch the TV and watch Craig Johnson at, at Wembley and stuff. And you, you look at things like that and you kind of, at one point you look across and you go, whoa, we're here. You know, and it's, it's kind of, um, but the, the funny thing was, although I was older, um, it was kind of playing against United. I, I found, um, you know, that experience where you get to 28, 29 and you're probably maybe not as fit as when you were a kid, but you're kind of seeing things, it was easier. There's less nerves. There's um. So I enjoyed it. We lost. I think it was two, three nil. Um, Coley didn't. Score. Cole got a hat trick, obviously. Cole <laughs> 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 threatened to have me shot <laughs> because you're too busy kicking him. At half time, you you'll read it. At half time, you'll read it. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, he, he wasn't happy, but. Um, you know that's that's what you got to do as a uh, you know sometimes defenders have to defend just defend whoever you're marking yeah. score you've done your job son Tro- well, right. if, you're yeah. against, if you're playing against a striker if you're playing against a striker and he comes off happy you've not done oh. your job and, and, <laughs> and you know you know who you know who taught me that I, I was loaned to Albacete the coach Pachin six European Cups he said son you remind me of me he goes I played behind Hento, Puskas, De Stefano. I have six European Cups. I used to win the ball by any means and give it to them because they were better players than me. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, you just got to know, he goes, if you do that, if you kick people, win the ball, head, whatever you have to do, okay, if you, mark, if you play against someone, don't let him score. And then when you win it, you give it to players that are better players than you. You said that, brother. I was There you go. Fair advice. Um, Birch, we're, we're going to push on because we've been going for half an hour already and we've still not got to some of the most interesting stuff post-career. Um, oh. I, I want to ask you one more question about your playing career, uh, and that's about the Socceroos. You played 21 times for Australia, uh, debuted, as you mentioned, under Eddie Thompson in 1990. Uh, your last was in 1996 against Chile. Uh, is it fair to say that Terry Venables didn't fancy you and that you didn't quite hit it off with him? Well, he never told me that. Um, and um, I kind of make reference to his coming in. Um, but over that uh, over that series, we had the home and away series where, where Venables came in and it was kind of, he was looking at everybody. It was at a time where, where I was captaining Reading, uh, I was, I was probably in, in a good, you know, in terms of your career, I, I was, it was a good time for me. Um, in that, the two series, home and away, um, you know, I, I think I was probably in, in, you know, in the top three, four defenders of the, over the whole series in that particular tournament. And I didn't feel inferior to, to any of the boys. Um, but, you know, there were some 
few other coaches that that you know had maybe more of a say i would have liked because i respect terry venables you know in terms of his career and stuff i, I can't knock that you know that's 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 wow that's well wow. um would have been nice if he said look andy you're not playing anymore because of this but that's you know it's it's life and to be honest with you i look back at 21 caps and then um you know, I probably shouldn't have had one cap, you know, born with a de defective left knee, you know. So, you know, I, I kind of, the Socceroos bit is, is um, because of certain injuries, uh, you know, 21 games was good because I don't think my body was ever right to be able to establish, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 uh, games. And then the younger boys were coming through, Maury and, and you know, Popper and, and Horvath, all, you know, the, the, all the younger brigade were coming through and, and they were good players. And, um, you know, you get, get to an age where you're 28, 29 and, um, you know, you yourself know, you know what, it's, it's maybe time um, uh, to get out of here. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have felt inferior to anybody if I'd been selected to play against Iran. Um, and, um you know, I, but I was at an age where uh, I, I wasn't worth much on the transfer value. So all English agents in the Socceroo Hotel uh, couldn't do anything with me. <laughs> um, and let's let's move on to your, your post-playing career. Uh, you famously, of course, became David Beckham's Spanish representative when he signed for Real Madrid. How did you get that gig? Um, I'd finished playing and I kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do, but, but in, in the process of, um, of playing, um, I, I kind of helped a few of the boys, Socceroo boys, uh, Mark Schwarzer and, uh, Tony Bobovich, um, get to palace and, um, where Schwarzer go? Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. Initially, yeah. So, so, uh, Mark was through a fellow agent, uh, uh after, we roomed uh, at a game, a soccer room match, and Popper was more a recommendation. Uh, Terry Bullivant, who was my manager at, at Reading, um, said, listen, there's a kid in Japan, young Socceroos, Ollie, whatever. Um, if you say there's a problem with his foot or something like that, toe or something, but if you say, Andy, if you say grab him, Tony Popovich will become a Crystal Palace player. And I said, gaffer, grab him. That's how he was. Um, so yeah, that that was that was kind of that led into uh, people started going, man, you put a suit on and, and be an agent. And um, uh, so I got a meeting. Uh, the lady that ran uh, the bar at Reading was Sue Roberts, and she was the head of Fosters and Courage in the UK. And she said, I'll, I'll get you a meeting with David Beckham's agent. If you get more than five minutes, um, you'll have done well. Um, so I rolled up to Mayfair uh, office the greatest sports marketing company in the world. The top six clients were Beckham, Owen, Gerard, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Um, and she said, if you get five minutes, you'll have done well. I called her about um, an hour later. I said, Tony's making me a coffee. Yeah, so, so that was it. And it was kind of you know, how do you go in and impress someone like this? You know, um, you know, first thing he says is, do you have a business degree, a marketing degree? This and that. I said, no, but this ain't rocket science, Tony. Okay. You've got four, four Victoria's Secret models manning your phones. Okay. For billion dollar deals, million dollar deals um, that come into you every day because of the talent. It's, it's not 
Now, there's no secret here. If you have Beckham, everything comes to you. If you have, so, you know, they make it sound like it's rocket science, but you get the good talent, the brands will seek you. And, and, and that's how, it's how it, it kind of was. But um, you know what? And uh, he gave me a test as well. He said, uh, look, um, he said, I want Kuhl and Viduka. Because they were at the time with IMG International, which was kind of like uh, in the United States, they were a rival to SFX. And um, there's a story on both of them. Um, uh, and you know, it's it's not my it's not my style. I've never have tapped up anybody else's player. So um, I never tapped up Harry and Viduka. We met in Leeds, but he was over. He was over management company. He doesn't care about marketing and stuff. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I had no like. I went up there. <laughs> this catalogue, <laughs> that pictures of Jordan, Beckham, this and that, and I give it to the big man, and like so disinterested. Dis- yeah, he was so disinterested in the whole thing that after about thirty seconds, I said, "When's the next game?" When's the next game? <laughs> I said, "Mark, Mark, give me that back, mate." Yeah, so he'd read about one one paragraph. I said, "Mark." Give it back. Um, let's just have lunch and have have, have a good day. And he, you know, he he moved on. He'd done his Leeds deal, and um, Mark's Mark, you know. So um, good lad. But um, so, so let me ask you about David Beckham, uh, Andy. How did how, I get how, that? How did the two of you? Yeah, how did you get the the gig? How did the two of you uh, get along? Um, did did you have a good working and per- personal relationship as well? Yeah, fantastic. We. Um, I got it because part of my my interview with Tony Stevens was how do I impress this guy? So I photocopied, put together, printed a world map, and in every country I put the name of someone that I could call direct um, to find out who the best kid in that country was for scouting purposes. So I started yeah. with Argentina, I put Maradona, then I started going through, and I've got Colombia, Valderrama. Oh boy, he's going like this. He's, he's looking at it. And he's going, hmm. He goes, you can call these guys? I go, yes, Tony. And um, we've got Spain, this and that. And and that's around that time is when we started. And he said, you speak fluent Spanish. I said, yeah, and Italian and Portuguese. He's going like this. and he's, But I haven't got a marketing degree or a business degree. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how it kind of worked. And then uh, I went on a tour uh, because the Australian office looked after Billy Slater, uh, Lockie or all that. So I brought over one of the uh, rugby league agents and uh, Billy Slater and Lockie, his agent, uh, came around with me to all the clubs. In, we did a tour of Italy and Spain. It was a year before Beckham went to Madrid and it was basically um, kind of putting the names of English players into the Spanish clubs. And a year before Beckham went, I met at the Bernabeu with, uh, the, sorry, Jorge Valdano and Emilio Butragueño, and I gave them three names, Beckham, Owen, and Woodgate, and all three eventually signed for him. I signed all three. Yes. Uh, so that was kind of how it worked, and he came into the office. We had a couple of mutual friends uh, that had played for, for Reading, for this and that, and Grant Brebner kind of knew Beckham, and I played with him at, at, at Reading. So kind of it's a small world, the football world, and it was... Um, uh, I said, listen, um, I know, you know, when, when you're around people at that level, it, it, it's, 
insanity. It, it's, it's, you will read, when you read this book, you'll just go, wow, I, <laughs> does this happen? Does this happen? Um, and so I just said, listen, I'm going to ride with you and I'm cool. You, you need to know I'm cool. That's how it worked. And we kind of, yeah, we got on great. We, uh, you know, in fact, the first chapter of the book is if you read David's, uh, this one that he gave me, that chapter one is landing in Madrid, the first day arriving in Madrid to sign. Um, and that chapter is all about that day, the signing, the Bernabeu. Uh, and that's chapter one in his book is through his eyes. Chapter one in my book is that same chapter, that same day through my eyes. Uh, Andy, the, the, the tabloids pursued you and Beckham, well, obviously more Beckham than you, with the greatest respect, um, relentlessly uh, throughout the years that you worked with David. It must have been very, very difficult uh, to deal with. And I know that you said that a lot of your time with Beckham was spent just really putting out spot fires all over the place. Um, the Beckham thing, um, after... Uh, he left SFX to go to uh, the Spice Girls management. Uh, a, a lot of crap went down uh, around the world from America. You know, they'd lost the biggest superstar on the planet. Um, I got offered, probably in today's money, five to $6 million uh, to divulge information on David Beckham, on Victoria Beckham and the kids and the whole family. Um, personal, private, everything. Around five to $6 million. I got arrested in Reading um, and... Uh, you got arrested I, in Reading? For yeah, yeah. For, um, it's in the book, right? Yeah. Um, so I got into trouble in Reading, okay, um, mm -hmm. as part of a, an addiction I had. And um, the paper said, this is the money. This story will never see daylight. Um, if you talk about David, um, but you know what, I, uh, it's been a real tough one, this one, because um, the papers can write whatever they want, whatever they want, and um, they can destroy people. Mm. Uh, they destroy people. And they then, 10 years later, five years later, uh, give you 10, 20, 30 grand and an apology on page 44. Um, but you're destroyed, you know, the capacity to, to make a living, you're, you're a good character. And so um, I'm going to debunk everything that's written out there because everything that's been written is actually false, is not true. It did not happen that day. And um, it was at a time where I was suffering from substance abuse, uh, It, um, which I, I, I'm ashamed and embarrassed about, to be honest with you, but I... I you know, you've got to own it, and I own uh, getting better and, 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 and beating it. Um, and it was just circumstances that um, a lot happened, and I was not privy to it. And about three years ago, um, Janie and I got an email from Scotland Yard, and uh, it changed everything, and it kind of... Um, a lot of powers have a lot of power and if you don't play their game 
um, you know, it, it's um, and they link up with, with police, they link up with management, you know, companies. It, it's because the, the sports companies have all the great players, you know, so they have power with the newspapers. So mm. it, it, it's kind of it, it's it's very hard to explain, but it's um, sort of some of the uh, stuff that we saw uh, sort of leak out through the, the Levinson inquiry a few years ago. Is that the sort of stuff we're talking about? It, it's um, because of the court. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. The court kind of um, resolvement, uh, you know, it, it's, I'm not privy to say what newspapers, you know, it's not rocket science, yeah. um, but you know, the, they're all at it. You know, they're all at it. Some don't exist now. Um you know, some make up, um, make up stuff like uh, it's totally made up just to to try and nail you so that you talk. Um, you get surveilled. For five years, I was surveilled. Had voice voicemails, uh, emails stolen. Um, you know, it's 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 all good. You, know? you you start thinking you're going nuts. You know, there's things on your phone, and uh, yeah, I thought that was on there. I haven't touched it. <laughs> And it's a fascinating tale. Um, the book is going to be a fascinating read. It's being launched in April. I think Craig Foster is launching your book. We're going to finish off uh, with one Twitter question because we've gone on far too long uh, today. This comes in from JF. It is our question of the week. $100 Outback Steakhouse voucher coming to you, JF. Uh, will you be involved in Canberra's A-League team if they get their bid accepted? And who are the best players out of Canberra you've worked with? I'm guessing you know, Rogic might be Canberra, one. Canberra A League team. Uh, I've, I've, I, I get excited by it, and then nothing happens. So I'm not even going to get excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. getting an A League team. Craig Moore's going to come in. Everyone's coming into it like, and then nothing happens. Nothing. So I'm a Canberra Raiders rugby league supporter. That's it. And the Brumbies. Brumbies and the Raiders. Um, best players out of Canberra. Simonich. Rogic, um, I'd like to include myself there. Um, I think that's fair. Valeri. Valeri. Yeah. Uh, yes, so I would say those... You've got to throw Zelic in there. He's from Canberra, no? Sorry. Uh, yes, he, he is from Canberra. He was born in Sydney, but yes, he is from Canberra. So, obviously, Ned's in there. There's five, six. You know, guys like Top or Stanley, you know, great careers, you know, yeah. at this level. Um but but certainly George Coulter, I played for QPR, and, and, um, and people don't know about them. So part of my book was that as well, to kind of like, you know, it's, if you don't know your history, you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you are, you don't know where you, you know, or where you've been, you don't know how, where you're going. So um, it, it's, um, it's a fantastic read. I think you'll really like it. And, and for me, it's been really spiritual. And, um, you know, there's a lot of demons that, that, come into play when um, when big powers are, are involved and, um, you know, to, to get some sort of indication and, uh, you know. It's been cathartic, hey? Yeah, and start kind of like, you know, I, yeah, um, yeah it's Maury probably doesn't even know, but I, I spent nine months in uh, in South America as the, the chief scout for the Socceroos. Um, that was so everything you, did, everything you did at ANZ Stadium, that was my dossier. Did I get it? <laughs> Good on you, Bert. Yeah, and you won't believe it. You, when you read this, you will laugh so much. 
I got sent to Columbia. That was my base camp. Okay. It's <laughs> yeah. so like the, the Beatles wrote Yellow sub Submarine off their chops, didn't they? <laughs> it's it's going to be a fascinating Allegedly. read. It's going to be a fascinating read. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Some great stories. Um, they'll all be included in the book, I have no doubt. Uh, and it is out in April, Riding Shotgun, the story of Andy Bernal. Great to uh, see you and to talk to you, Birch. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you and um, love to all Cheers, of you. Cheers, Birchie. Thank you. Appreciate it. Stay safe, boys. And that is us for another week. Join us again next week for more Shim Spider and so much more. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.